Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movement Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Don Waybright as he takes us on a journey around the world, telling stories and giving examples of multiplying movements of disciples and churches. Get ready to be encouraged. I've been able to travel for the past few months. I, I was able to attend the first ever uh, All Africa No Place Left Summit in Nairobi. And, and that was a rather historic, epic uh, time together, five-day intensive of bringing, I think there were 70 people there. Uh, probably 50 of them were African nationals from 19 different countries, and all multiplying leaders. And just hearing their stories, I was I mean, I was just greatly encouraged. You know, we've, we've seen these incredible movements in South Asia. We've seen these great leaders emerge, these apostolic leaders. You've had some of them on your, your podcast. But it was really encouraging to see what God's doing in Africa, raising up those type of people. I really saw some of these African nationals that, you know, just hearing their stories, the, just their leadership capacity, their, their competency, their apostolic passion and gifting. Uh, just their communication skills, just seeing these really awesome leaders starting to emerge in Africa was was very encouraging. And then coming out of that five-day intensive, we just saw acceleration of, of movement training all over the continent. And uh, so it's been deeply encouraging in that regard. Hearing some of the stories, I remember this one guy from Somalia, and I'm, I'm asking him, I said, how, how hard is it to be a, a Christian in Somalia? And I said, just on a scale of one to 10, how hard would it be? 10 really being hard. He said, oh, it'd be way past 10. And then he tells me he's got 45 house churches in Somalia. And I like, you got to be kidding me. Well, that's breathtaking. So that was deeply encouraging. And then I, uh, I had some time in the Middle East um, working with a, a Persian movement. And when I, I'm just going to keep the names of these countries Close, but this Persian movement, we see that what's going on in this country is one of the fasting grow, growing movements in the world. And, and uh, the organization I'm with now has a relationship with a network of about 700 churches a, in that Persian country. And we were bringing them across into this Middle East uh, country, small units of these leadership networks. They don't know each other, they don't cross pollinate for security reasons. And so we'd bring them across and just kind of do a, a problem solving retreat, you know, basically a mid-level, uh, look at the, the case study, see where they're at in this movement, what barriers they're having, open up scripture together and and uh, figure out solutions and action plans and things like that. So I've been working with that and got to meet some of these leaders and I'm, I'm asking them, you know, I said, this one, this one young woman had 62 house churches. And I said, what happens if you get caught sharing the gospel or anyone in your network gets caught sharing the gospel? And she just says, we'll be executed. I mean, just there's no anxiety about it. It's just a matter of fact. We'll be executed. And this other group, they've, they've smuggled in like 46,000 Bibles and handed them out to people and face-to-face -face distribution. And I said, what happens if you get caught with a case of those Bibles? And they said, well, we'll get tortured for sure, and we'll be placed in prison, and we'll probably get executed. 
<laughs> and then he says, makes a statement. He says, I'll die for the Bible. And it's, it's just, just seeing those type of people. Uh, it's just so refreshing to see what God's doing around the world. Um, and then uh, I was just recently in a, it was, I think it's the first ever Middle East, uh, North Africa, Central Asia, no place left summit. And I walk in the room and there's like 90 people in this room and, and it's all expats. This one is all expats. No nationals were invited, all expats, about 90 people. They're there with their spouses and, but their teams. And, and so I, I would say there's at least 50 units and a lot of young people and just seeing the quality of the young people, God sending to the nations into the heart of the middle East, into the heart of these very challenging, difficult places and just, their biblical fidelity and just their gifting and, and their, their zeal. It was just encouraging to see these type of things take place. I've been able to be part of. And we also, you know, we, a few years ago when I was with Sugar Creek, we, uh, we launched out a no place left Bogota, Colombia, no place left Colombia type of movement. We, we used a three touch strategy that, that uh, Troy Cooper uh, has taught us, and we did it real, real well, and we followed it exactly, almost, and and we saw tremendous fruit. We saw about six leadership networks emerge out of that, and spread uh, trainings and multiplication throughout Colombia. Well, we just rebooted that, uh, just did a mid-level, bringing in all these uh, about four different leadership networks, and it was just very encouraging. Just see the multiplication spreading all over. Uh, the, the Columbia country, and they've got some big giants to slay there as well. And so we, we put together some targeted approaches to engage the, the Venezuelan refugee crisis. There's 1.8 million Venezuelan refugees in Colombia. And so we, we developed a strategy and a team uh, that's focused uh, purposefully just to engage the Venezuelan refugee population. And also uh, this Hilltop of Hope, this integrated disciple-making movement in the red light districts, we, uh, we, we developed that there as well. We, we kind of kick-started that again and in the Bogota. Bogota has 20,000 to 30,000 prostitutes. Uh, Cartagena has, it's a sex tourism capital of the Western Hemisphere. So it's, it's a big giant to slay. And so going into the red light, with the same approach we would with an unreached people group and using the same principles and tools and strategies. And, and we're seeing, you know, we've seen prototype that in uh, South Asia, but kind of launching that out in uh, Colombia as well. So that's just was part of that just recently. Wow. Wow. That's amazing, Don. So update us a bit on the, the work in the prison system. Uh, the prisons, you know, during the lock, the COVID, there was a very tight lockdown in the prisons. I mean, it's like the whole general population was like being in solitary confinement for like a year. Mm. And, and so these guys did what they could in, in the prisons, but God did some things. He started maneuvering some things during that COVID period. He took some of our best leaders and positioned them into other prisons around the Houston area. And so, for instance, uh, he took two of our, our top guys that were seeing this movement in solitary confinement. You've probably seen these baptisms that we were, were, we were, we were displaying on that was taking place. We had like 90 baptisms within like a nine-month period in solitary confinement in this one prison. 
Well, they took two of those guys and placed them out of that prison that they were originally in. They, during COVID, placed them into the death row prison based, uh, that's in uh, the Livingston, Texas area. And so I was just up there to visit them in October, and they had just baptized a man in death row that was executed two weeks later. But the center, you know, God just took the right people just to impact the, the death row of uh, the Texas prisons. Now, during that period, like I said, God had maneuvered not just those guys, but some other guys out of these uh, prisons where we saw a movement and place them in other movements in the Houston area, or actually other prisons in the Houston area. And all of them now, there's about five different prisons now in our region that are preparing to launch out uh, four fields residencies within their prison. So they're, they're already training uh, core leaders and they're putting together a strategy to launch out the residencies. And uh, so that's, that's all in progress now. So just kind of getting that kick started since the prison just opened up this fall. So Don, we've, we've just done a world tour of wonderful stories of um, what God's doing around the world, multiplying disciples and churches. You know, as, as you sort of step back from that big picture, what, what are some of the things you're learning? What's he, what's he teaching you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the collaboration, and that's kind of the, the ministry I'm with is uh, Reach the Rest. We're focused on uh, this uh, partnership with indigenous leaders, but also a highly collaborative par partnership paradigm. And just working with uh, these great commission leaders around the world that I've, I've had relationships in the past with uh, has just been so refreshing. They're just giving the kingdom away and and just the relationships, you know, the kingdom of God uh, grows and multiplies through relationships. And these type of collaborative relationships have been very refreshing. Uh, just to see the way I've been embraced and and just be able to work and, and also see some of these guys that, you know, we're seeing in the No Place Left uh, USA movement back, you know, maybe five, seven years ago. Now they were they were in their twenties. They were a little bit pretentious, pretty you know, pretty bold and pretentious. But now you just see them. They got young families. They're mature leaders now, and just coming alongside with them. They got this deep humility, and and just God's called them to the nations, and just seeing them just mature in those roles, it's been refreshing as well. So that's been very, you know, a blessing that I've been part of. And then just even I'll even talk at the donor side. You know, this is the first time I've really worked in a donor environment uh, with this nonprofit and uh, just seeing the generosity of regular, ordinary people, but also some wealthy people just given sacrificially to get the, the gospel to the least reached peoples around the world. And so it's been refreshing in that regard, too. But all over the world, and Steve, you're seeing it as well. We're in an age of movements, and we're just seeing just this, this incredible activity of God taking place around the world. Mm. Don, um, what are some of the hits people are taking? What are some of the things that the enemy can use to, to bring works unstuck? Are you learning anything about that? Well, I mean, the, 
the persecution is real around the world from, you know, Afghanistan to West Africa. You're looking in, at the at the continent of Africa, the, the Islamic insurgency, in a sense, that whole tension belt all over the north and through the east of Africa, this Islamic uh, militant kind of takeover, in a sense. And so there's extreme persecution coming on the church. And yet in that context, we're seeing signs and wonders, dreams and visions, miracles, and the miraculous power of the Spirit just break through and, and continue to see multiple, multiplication in those extreme environments. Just like that story I told you about Somalia. I mean, in that context, God is multiplying his kingdom. And we're seeing that uh, throughout that tension belt of Africa in a you're seeing it in these extreme persecuted areas where they got the anti-conversion laws in South Asia. You're seeing them. It's just an incredible harvest taking place. The, the church is multiplying and nothing's going to stop it. <laughs> so everywhere you look where there's life and vitality, there's also trouble and it's typically persecution. Yeah. You look at that Persian movement. It's, you know, there's, they're, they're going to get, executed if they share the gospel, if they get caught with those Bibles. Yet in that context, Islam is so unattractive that the gospel is multiplying at an unprecedented rate. And you're going to see the same thing take place in Afghanistan with that Taliban takeover. You know, right now there's that extreme pressure on the church, but uh, it's going to be breathtaking when, when God begins to move in a powerful way there. And we're already hearing stories about that. I had a, a story from, uh, you know, we just helped uh, the, the the remnant of the church that remained uh, in Afghanistan, uh, about a, a network of about 250 house churches that remained. And we just we just helped them to get some funding in there to help them through the, the winter months. And they're, they're completely shut down. You know, they used to have the allied forces keep the roads open during the winter, but that doesn't take place now. So they're just like shut down for the winter. So we just helped them with the uh, food and fuel cost and things like that. And they're distributing that in their, their networks. And But uh, we just had a leader from that uh, trying to escape A-Land and, and uh, got up into the mountains. The Holy Spirit convicted them, said, hey, go back and take care of the remnant left behind. And he knew that was going to cost them. He knew the Taliban was going to be searching for him. So, but he, he obeys the Holy Spirit. He, he goes back home. Sure enough, the Taliban uh, approaches house. Soldiers are approaching the house. Then they flee. He, he, he watches all the, the soldiers flee. And they find out that there's Taliban soldiers. They saw an army of white soldiers all around that house. So it was like God's, God's army of angels were had surrounded that house. Now the the name of Jesus is becoming famous throughout that entire region. And, you know, people, you know, God's advancing his kingdom in the midst of that context. And as you look in those sort of settings, what sort of people does God use? How, how does he shape them to help them be effective in those environments? You know, the DNA of, of the kingdom is they surrender. They surrender. And to King Jesus, uh, they they obey the Bible. That's all they know. Uh, they know to share the gospel. They share this incredible story that's happened to them uh, through their relationships. And they they just that's their DNA. They just know how 
to do that. I mean, they're certainly equipped and trained in that, but it's it's very much the DNA right at the very beginning to you know surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit, um, to obey the Word of God, and to share this love and this real radical love that they're experiencing. Share it with their their family and friend relationships. And what about you know our role as the sort of outsiders? Even if you were to go and live in somewhere like Afghanistan for ten years, you'd still be an outsider. Yeah. Um, but it appears God has a role for the outsider to to serve those who are on the front line. What are you learning about that role? Yeah, I mean, multiple things. One at a higher level, you know, the strategy coordinators. I I had the fortune of being once I surrendered full time ministry to go to strategy coordinator training with the International Mission Board, and that's my role. And church ministry for 20 years was as a strategy coordinator church. And now I get to come alongside these qualified strategy coordinators and help them be successful. That's kind of what my role is now, just help them be successful, whether it's resourcing or or just uh, complementing and scaling their capabilities or whatever it may be. But then down at the the field level, it's really just like these mid-levels, bringing in these networks, bringing in these these leaders. talking through the vision, what, what vision has God given you? What biblical-based vision has God given you for your people? And, and then just helping them discover in Scripture uh, just, just how to engage that and, and to solve problems of barriers and such to multiplication, but just really self-discover that through Scripture. So that's really the role, come alongside coaching in that regard, some downstream coaching and encouragement and and just letting them know that uh, they can do this and then showing them from Scripture how to do it. Mm. So part of it's relational. It's coming alongside. It's being there. Part of it is helping them discover from the Scriptures uh, what they need to know in order to fulfill the vision God's given them. And then put some action plans together. Mm. And then, you know, we have accountability. We we have Zoom calls and, and coaching calls. I'm coaching a group from West Africa that's transitioning from more traditional type of evangelism approaches to multiplying disciples and churches. And so I'm co- coaching them through that whole paradigm shift. And they've done their first four fields trainings ever here in the past, past month. And so just those type of relational coaching loving on them, and then showing them from Scripture how to do this and, and letting them know they can do it. So mm. I, I, it's like I can't wait to look at my WhatsApp and my, my Signal app, and, and I'm seeing the baptisms all around the world, and I'm seeing these incredible stories of breakthrough and, and just seeing just, just movement taking place in some of the most difficult, challenging, hardest places. And it's just so encouraging. And then, you know, just kind of getting that story out there, building the prayer networks around that, seeing others celebrating and getting encouraged by God's activity. That's been what's been fueling me. And what are you trusting God for? What do you see as you look down the road? Well, I'm, I'm begging for wisdom. I'm begging for wisdom to, uh, you know, lead this uh, ministry to be a, a movement catalyst. And uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to these, these breakthroughs and just the, the continued just advancement of the kingdom through the multiplication of disciples and churches 
in all these contexts from the red light districts, we're, we're scaling that out to uh, multiple red light districts uh, in, in South Asia and Colombia and even in the Middle East. Uh, we're already seeing these red light background believers. I get these baptisms like or pictures of baptisms almost every day of these red light background believers uh, emerging from all these different contexts. And then, and then just South Asian guys, the South Asian guys, they just got this vision that you've had some of these, these top leaders, these top L5, level five leaders and beyond, these great strategy coordinators coming out of this movement in, in South Asia. They've got this Metro Lights vision to, to reach the set there, to reach the seven, you know, mega cities of, of South Asia. And they've got 100 days of prayer in each city already taking place. They've mobilized 100 days of prayer. They're praying over every street in these cities. Mm-hmm. And, and they got then a, followed by 1,000 days in a harvest, expecting 1,000 churches in each one of their cities in 2022 and 10,000 churches in each one of their cities by 2025. And just be a part of that type of vision because these are the type of guys that God has designed to really make it happen. These are the leaders. These are the highest level movement leaders in the world right now. And, and uh, just being able to come alongside them and, and join in that vision and watch it take place is what's, it's, it's breathtaking and it's exhilarating. Find out more about Don's ministry at reachtherest.org. And you can visit movements.net to download resources and find out how you can get engaged in multiplying disciples and churches everywhere.